Welcome to episode number 48 of the Better With Brock podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be doing something that I would like to call giving back to the people. I have some comments on social media that I want to answer because that is ultimately what you want to know. I can think of ideas and brainstorm content ideas that you want to understand and that you want to grow your knowledge from, questions that you want answered. Um, And ultimately, the way that I usually find videos to make is the questions that you ask. So I'm just going to go through my socials. I've taken some screenshots of some comments and I'm just going to break them down for you because this is obviously what you want to know. Before I jump into the podcast, if you do have any questions that you specifically want to know and you haven't been jumping on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube and commenting back, then you can send an email to team at teambrockashby.com or on any platform, send me a DM and ask me. I'll most probably get back to you, but email is better because that is more of a priority to me. So if you do want your question answered, send through an email. Let's get into this podcast. The first question is actually not really a question, but it's from a hater that I received this morning and I kind of just want to get this out of the way first. It was on a transformation post that I posted last night. I recently did a eight-week challenge of mine, the Built by Brock eight-week challenge, and I lost just over four kilos, 4.1 kg, which is around nine pounds in eight weeks. And I posted uh, my two photos from the start of the challenge and the end of the challenge beside each other and explained how I did it pretty much. I'll read the caption just so you understand how I did it because I think that is also valuable information and then I'll read the comment out and uh, tell you what they said. So I put 91.9 kg versus 87.8 kg, just over 4 kg in eight weeks. This is how I did it. Number one, I ate 200 calories below my maintenance for five weeks, 3,300 calories per day. Then drop my calories down another 200 calories to 3,100 calories per day for the last three weeks to keep the deficit going. I kept the protein high and also my carbs as high as possible. I hate low-carb diets and refuse to do them. Number two, trained exactly the same. I lifted heavy, close to failure, and maintained my standard frequency of five days lifting per week and three jujitsu sessions. The training we do to build muscle is the same way to maintain muscle in a deficit. Remember that. Number three, my steps stayed the same, an average of 12 to 15,000 per day. Lastly, sorry, number four, lastly, I didn't cheat my diet or give up on my workouts, which a lot of people will do when they do extreme shit like the keto diet or train two times per day because it's hardcore. You don't need to do extreme hardcore stuff to get results. Train smart, train hard, and stick to the game plan. If you do that, you will succeed. If you don't, you'll be another failed diet statistic. Hope this helped you. Brock, flex emoji. And the reason I posted this was because I know how to lose weight. I've been coaching people. I've been doing it myself. Building muscle, dropping body fat, building muscle, dropping body fat. The cycle continues. I've been continually learning from the best people in the world and learning from anecdotal experience with my clients. And that 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 is what i do like there's no extreme stuff i'm not taking any pills i'm not you know i'm supplementing creatine and beta alanine there's nothing mind boggling about that my diet doesn't change drastically my training doesn't change drastically my steps don't change drastically i literally just do everything the same that i do to maintain my physique but consume less calories so i wanted to give like this no bs approach and a lot of people in the comments were like super stoked for that post And then some snarky dude, literally four hours ago, with no profile picture, of course. How strange. Whether you weigh 92 kg or 88 kg, you never put fat on your abdomen. You're not 100% natural either. That's obvious. So I replied, it's not really that strange. I hold less body fat on my abdomen and more on my legs. That's why I have abs, even at higher body fat percentages. Must be steroids though, right? It's obvious. I was just being sarcastic, but I want to break down why um, why I do have a lean body fat percentage year round um, or look lean. And it's what I said in the comment. I've done a DEXA scan before and my body fat that I carry is predominantly in my legs. That's where I hold most of my body fat, kind of like a chick. A lot of females will hold majority of their body fat in their quads and their hamstrings and in their glutes. 
and that's just the way that they carry their body fat. I think it may have something to do with the fact that they bear children and they have um, weight around their hips. I don't know if I just made that up. It kind of makes sense, but it's also potentially bro science. So take that with a grain of salt. But most females carry weight there. Obviously, that is a a generalization. Everyone holds their body fat in different places and in different percentages. Some, Some... I've trained ladies that are like, I really can't like shake the fat on the back of my arms. They called it, uh, why do they call them like canteen arms? Like the lady, like the old ladies at the canteen that would have like, let's say flab underneath their elbows, um, or they called them wings or something like that. But men have that too. Men store fat there. Um, you know, some men store a lot of fat in their chest, and then they get a little bit self-conscious about, you know, like them not having this kind of like shredded chest that they might think it looks slightly more feminine uh, some people a lot of people struggle with belly fat and they just store a lot of fat there um, so you know we're all different I store most of my fat in my legs not in my stomach my DEXA scan actually told me when I did it that I actually store the least amount of body fat on my abdomen on my stomach which which is why I look lean year-round So a lot of people think potentially that I'm leaner than I actually am. But if you saw my body fat overall, you know, I don't post naked photos or photos in like speedos or photos in like underwear and stuff like that. So you can't really see the fat on my legs, but I do have more fat on my legs than I do everywhere else. Like even my arms, my shoulders, my back, I don't hold much fat there. And this isn't me trying to brag, ha ha, look at my genetics. It's just the way that I was born. It's the way that my body fat stores in my body. And you, listening to this podcast, you have um, a different uh, spread of body fat on your body. You may store more fat in your arms. And more on your body, uh, you know, more on your belly and, and none on your legs. You might have super lean legs. You know, when you go for a swim or if you wear budgie smugglers or, you know, if you're in a bikini, whatever, you might have super lean legs. Your quads might be popping, but you may struggle with belly fat. And that may always just be kind of like that last part that just never goes and you just struggle. Or maybe side fat. A lot of people are like, like how do I burn side fat? How do I eliminate side fat? I got that question this morning. And the answer is, you just have to lose overall body fat. If you want to drop body fat, you can't spot reduce body fat. We know that. If you do sit-ups, it doesn't make your belly fat disappear. If you do bicep curls, it doesn't make your your arm fat disappear. If you do push-ups, your chest fat doesn't disappear. Exercises in the gym, in the weight room, are for building muscle mass, not for spot reducing body fat. Body fat just comes down overall on your body. I, um, I did this example, uh, this analogy in another podcast, maybe it was last week or the week before, but it's kind of like taking a bucket of water and scooping it out of a swimming pool on the left side of the pool and continuing to scoop it out. The pool's just going to go down slowly everywhere, not on the left side of the pool. It's the same thing with your body fat. We just lose fat overall our overall body fat percentage decreases but where we store body fat stays the same in those percentages so that is why i look lean because let's say if we run with that analogy my swimming pool has a certain shape and that swimming pool is less fat on my abs more fat on my legs and just the way that culture is and the way that uh, i guess we dress we usually cover our legs with shorts or with pants and like we take our shirt off to go for a swim or you know I'm in the fitness industry I train with my shirt off I post shirtless photos you know so you see like the leanest part let's say you see the best part of my physique and you don't see where most of my fat is so often people will think I'm like 10% body fat 8% 7% which is crazy but really it's much higher if you take into consideration my lower body where most of my fat is stored. So I wanted to clarify that because a lot of people, especially uh, people that consume content online, when they follow fitness influencers, personal trainers, or people that just have really great physiques, they get really disheartened when they look at people's physiques because they go, oh man, that's never going to be me or I don't look like that. So I'm trying to bring light and bring attention to the fact that that is just the way that I'm genetically made. 
yes, I train hard. Yes, I watch my macros and calories. I weigh my food. Um, you know, I track my calories. I train hard. I follow a structured program. I do a lot of these things right because it's my job and I know a lot about it and I apply that knowledge. But even like if someone else did that as well, if we did the exact same thing, but they had a different genetic pool where they stored more body fat on their stomach and let's say less on their legs, you might think that I'm leaner than them just because my I store less body fat on my stomach and they store more on their stomach because that is often where we look. If you see abs, you kind of go, whoa, that, that, that person's shredded. He's got abs. But really, that's just kind of what society has told us because our overall body fat percentage is really what tells the real picture uh, on how lean we are overall. So moving on. Also, just to finish that off, uh, I am natural. I haven't used any performance enhancing drugs before. This is just 15 years of hard work. A comment says uh, that I posted uh, on a post about about variety. Let me find it quickly. It says, and this was on Instagram, if you're doing a bunch of different exercises every workout in order to shock your muscles, you're confusing variety for progress. The right amount of variety keeps training interesting. Too much variety stops you from getting strong enough at exercises to build muscle and strength through progressive overload. And a person said, do you really need variety? What if I'm happy repeating the same sets I always do week in, week out? And that's a great question because it's confusing. A lot of people say different things. Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day said, like, you have to change muscles up. You've got to shock the muscles. And then a lot of people jumped on that. Oh, I need to shock the muscles. So I need to just like, one day I'm going to do dumbbell chest press for my chest. And the next day I'm going to do chest flies. And then I'm going to do push-ups. Then I'm going to do chest press machine. Then I'm going to do incline bench press. Then I'm going to do decline uh, dumbbell chest press. Then I'm going to do, uh, you know, dumbbell chest fly. And just like keep rotating these exercises and shocking your body, shocking your muscles. And a lot of people bought that for a while, but that is not how it works. We know better than that now. The thing that matters for building muscle, which is what we're trying to do in the gym, is progressive overload. That's what we want to focus on. We want to focus on getting stronger at movements. And that is done best when we do that movement repetitively. That is why we change programs anywhere between every three to six weeks. I like to do one month just because it works better. It's, you know, there's 12 months in a year. You can do 12 programs in a year. It kind of works. Okay, January, I did this program. February, I did this program. It's just easy. But that doesn't mean it has to be every four weeks. It can be anywhere between three to six. And with that repetition of doing the same exercise again, it emphasizes this saying that I heard quite a while back, strength is a skill. And strength as a skill reiterates the fact that you need repetition. So with any skill that we develop and that we progress, we need to do that skill over and over and over and over again. The skill of sport, let's say we're playing cricket and we're trying to see the ball come down as the person's bowling and practice, and practice our batting. We need to see lots of bowls. We need to do a lot of practice at training, seeing people bowl to us so we can catch so we can get a better eye. There's a skill of seeing the ball. I played cricket once. I hit three balls and then I got bowled because I, I wasn't adjusted to seeing the ball. I didn't know what happened when it hit the pitch and bounced, whether they were doing spin or whether they were doing a speed ball. I couldn't tell. I didn't really know how to hold the bat because I had no skill. I had, or I had very, very, very little skill because I had no repetition of that skill. And the same thing goes with strength. We need to practice these exercises to become efficient at these exercises. And once we're efficient at something, we can do it better. And in the gym, that means lifting more weight. And lifting more weight means progressive overload. And if you can't lift more weight, you do the same weight that you did last week, but for more reps, because that also is progressive overload. The load is getting heavier over time. And if we do variety every single time and we change exercises, we don't get good enough at that exercise because we just keep changing it. So we're always kind of in this learning phase of an exercise as opposed to this 
perfecting stage of an exercise where we're finally nailing the technique, we're nailing the tempo for the phase of, of workouts that you're doing and you're, and you're nailing the coordination, you're finally really stable and you just keep adding weight or adding reps and then after three to six weeks, you're probably going to plateau on that exercise for that rep range that you're doing. You probably can't do that extra rep on the same weight or you can't do that next weight up. You've hit a plateau. That's fine. That's what we want at the end of a program because now it's time to move on to a different program with a different stimulus, with different reps, potentially different exercises so that we can continue to make progress for that muscle group but on a different exercise in a different context. So variety is important because as I said in my post, it keeps things interesting. But there's a balance between staying interested and getting results. And this is why I have a problem with F45 and pump class for building muscle. I don't have a problem if you want to do it in your spare time or for your training. Knock yourself out. As long as you enjoy it and it's going to be sustainable for you, go ahead. But there's going to be a limit to how much muscle you can build in an F45 classroom or in a pump class that you're doing at Les Mills because there's always variety. They're changing the classes every Every time you go, it's different. And that's cool for interest and like, man, training's so fun. I've never done this before. I've never done that before. Oh man, we haven't done this for months. I love this exercise. But you're not going to get strong at it. If, if pump class was the same every time, it wouldn't be successful because people would get bored. People say, I've done this. And I think this is why a lot of people don't really build that much muscle mass. A lot of people kind of just keep going to the gym, doing the same thing over and over and over again, and they just get bored. Or they can't handle that boredom, so they change things all the time. And they are doing a different exercise for a different muscle group every single workout. So if you're changing things too much, you're never going to progress in strength on that exercise and successfully apply progressive overload, which is the key to building muscle. On the other side of things, if you just do the same thing over and over and over again, like this person has commented, like, can I just do the same thing week in, week out? You can, but you're going to hit that plateau in three to six weeks. So if you get all you can out of that workout program or just out of a specific exercise for three to six weeks, but you do it for six months, you're plateauing for five months and you're not applying progressive overload. You're not getting stronger. You're not building muscle. You might actually start losing muscle or just maintaining muscle. But let's say you're doing a back squat and in three to six weeks, you progress it, progress it, progress it. And then you can't get any stronger. You can't do more reps with the same weight and you can't apply progressive over overload through lifting more weight. Once that happens, at the end of that week, you need to think of changing that back squat out for a similar movement doing the same thing you could do a leg press, you could do a split squat, you could do a lunge, so that now you go back into a learning phase for a different exercise, it still hits the same muscle, but now you're hitting a different stimulus, you're hitting the muscle in a different way, you're doing a different exercise, you go from a back squat to doing a leg press, it's similar, but it's different, so it's a new stimulus, and now you can start to go through that learning phase of that exercise, of that rep range and of that tempo that you're doing. And then you can start applying progressive, progressive overload through the leg press. So now your leg press is kind of like building, building, building. Meanwhile, your back squat is desensitizing. So that when you put back squats back in and your leg press fatigues, let's just say you want to go back to back squatting. You do leg press for three to six weeks you're going to go back to back squat and it's going to be like you haven't back squatted for a while and you're going to get some, you know, get back to that learning phase and apply progressive overload and get stronger and stronger and stronger. Hopefully when you go back to that back squat, you're going to be at a higher place that you started when you first did it. And that is how we continue to apply progressive overload and get stronger at certain exercises. That is the thinking behind the programming, uh, behind variety, behind sticking to the same muscle groups and progressing. So hopefully that's helped. Let's jump into another uh, comment. Um, we have one here. Da, 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 da. Okay, cool. So I posted a video that was called How I Lost 4KG in 7 Weeks. 
And this was just before I finished the challenge and I was talking about how I lost four kilos uh, and I was trying to lose four kilos in eight weeks. I did it in seven. So I just went to maintenance for the last week and someone put me losing five kg in three weeks. Like, kind of like, hey, I beat you. I lost five kilos in three weeks. You only lost four and seven. And the reason I bring this up is because fat loss is not a race. And just because this person lost an extra kilo uh, four weeks faster than me doesn't mean that their diet was more successful because it turns out I wasn't trying to lose as much weight as possible. I was going for four, kilo, for, for four kilos in eight weeks. And this is why it's important to set goals, especially when you're pursuing fat loss. Because if you are just starting a fat loss phase and you're just going, I'm just going to lose as much weight as possible and that's it, then, then you have no like finish line and you're just going to keep going and keep going and keep going and that can be okay for some people but if you have a goal you know when to stop like I did I was like I'm losing four kilos and that's it so I was trying to do it in 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 eight weeks that is around half a kilo per week that was my goal Half a kilo, that's about a pound a week. Nothing impressive, something very slow, very easy. I didn't really feel like I was dieting. I did have to sacrifice, you know, extra calories to get into that calorie deficit, but I didn't find it too tough. I wasn't struggling. My training was still okay. I did feel it by the end of the eight weeks, but over overall, the diet was like a nine out of 10. I felt okay. And I traveled, I ate out, I ate out with my wife and my daughter, which I really enjoy. We traveled to Gold Coast to go to a wedding. Even at a wedding, I was dieting. I was going through it. And I think the reason that I lost a little bit too much weight was because I I went to the wedding. And at the wedding, I was just being a bit cautious because you don't really know what's in the food there. You don't know if they use oil, they use a ton of butter, all that kind of stuff. So I think I was a bit more on the reserve side. So when I came back from that wedding, I think I may have lost a little bit too, like a little bit of extra weight which put me ahead of schedule by 500 grams. So I was like, stuff it. I've, I've lost four kilos this last week. Instead of trying to lose 4.5 or five kilos and double down, I'm just going to go at maintenance. And then this person's like, well, yeah, I lost five kilos in three weeks, man. What's up? What's up with you, man? I thought you were a personal trainer. I thought you knew what you were doing. But it's not a race. It doesn't mean that you're better than me. Set goals. It's important to know where you're going to stop. Because a calorie deficit is not where the best training lies. It's not where the best productivity lies. It's not where the best place to build muscle is. It's a means to an end. It's a place to lose body fat. Like I always say, calorie deficit, you get in and you get out. And as soon as you hit your goal, you get out. And and if you don't get out, you're going to be there forever. You're going to stay in a calorie deficit and you're going to be like these people that have come to me and Team Brock Ashby and, and, and been coached by me and they're just stuck on low calories. They don't know what to do and they, and they got into a calorie deficit and they lost some weight and they just stayed there because there was no real goal. They just wanted to lose weight. I just want to lose weight. So you just do the same thing and you just keep repeating it and then you just end up on these low calories and you're not even losing weight anymore. You get into a calorie deficit, you hit your goal, and then you get out. Don't worry about what other people say. Oh, I'm losing more weight than you. Oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? No, just stick to your goal, get into your calorie deficit, and then when you hit it, you get out. If you don't hit your goal, then that's another conversation. Maybe your method wasn't correct. Maybe it wasn't the perfect time for you to start dieting. Maybe you had to bring up your calories first, build up your metabolism, actually build some muscle, and then go into a fat loss phase. Maybe that needed to happen for you. But just because you lose more weight than someone else doesn't mean that you're better than that person. Like this person kind of, you know, hey man, lost way more weight than you. Because it, like there's so many things with fat loss that are nuanced. If this person lost five kilos in three weeks, but they had that much weight to lose, then that's fine. I'm only, I was only 92 kilos pretty much when I started. But if someone started at 150 kilos... Five kilos in three weeks? Yeah, you should have lost that much because you have that much to lose. But for someone that's 60 kilos, if you're losing five kilos in three weeks, that's too much. That's way too fast. 
that's unsustainable for most people. So don't compare apples to bananas. Don't compare your fat loss to someone else's fat loss because everyone's journey is different. I chose on purpose to lose fat slow. I can lose fat fast, 100%. I know how to do it. I can jump into an aggressive calorie deficit, but you know what? It sucks. And I don't do well on extreme calorie deficits. I know that about myself. I can't like really push it. I like slow and steady. I have the patience. I'd rather just feel like I'm not dieting that much. It's not that hard. It's pretty easy. And I can just sustain that for a very long amount of time. I would rather take, you know, 12 weeks to diet as opposed to hitting that same amount, but in six weeks, but it's harder. I'd rather it be easier for longer because that's how I diet. If I struggle too much in my diet, I give up and I'm like, my training sucks. My energy sucks at jujitsu. I'm thinking about food all day. I'm not happy to be around when I'm hungry. Ask my wife. It's not good. I don't want to be that person. So I don't do it. I take the long, the long road, but I can handle that. And I know what I'm getting myself into. And some people like that short, aggressive calorie deficit, like bang, harsh. I'm just going to like cut a thousand calories a day and, and they handle it and they do it. And they seem to be able to train pretty fine. That strategy, in my opinion, is better for people that carry more body fat because body fat is muscle sparing. Your body's going to tap into your fat stores more so than your muscle mass if you have a lot of body fat. So if you're overweight, even if you're obese, you can probably handle that aggressive calorie deficit at the start because you have a lot of fat to burn. But if you are leaner like myself, I don't like I wouldn't class myself as overweight, even though my BMI says I'm obese. Ignore that if you lift and you have a decent amount of muscle. The BMI is more for people who don't lift, the general population. I'm pretty lean, so I don't have those body fat stores to protect my muscle mass. I need to have a high protein diet. I need to continue getting stronger and applying progressive overload in the gym to maintain my muscle because I'm an advanced lifter. So that's why I don't go aggressive as well because if I have a super aggressive calorie deficit, yes, I'm going to lose weight, but I'm going to lose strength. I'm going to lose muscle. So I'm not just losing fat now, I'm losing fat and muscle. And that's not good because it takes ages to build muscle. So I want to prevent muscle going away when I'm dieting. So I like to take the long term approach. So it's up to you, whatever you want to pursue. You can go fast and aggressive. You can go slow and less aggressive. I just took 200 calories off my maintenance. I stayed there for five weeks until it started plateauing a little bit. And then I took another 200 off and did that for three more weeks. And that worked a charm. Like that is so simple that people don't want to hear it because it sounds too easy. And I'm not trying to say fat loss is easy. It's simple, but it's not easy because you have to navigate it through. But I'm disciplined. I've done this before. I know what to expect. So I just did it. And if you're struggling with fat loss, I hope that this helps you decide which path to take. Maybe you go aggressive, maybe you don't. Maybe you are going away on holiday in a month, so you have to be super aggressive. That's fine. Just know what you're getting yourself into when you're trying to lose fat really fast. When I first thought of doing a podcast in 2019, I wrote down everything that I wanted to achieve with the show. And one thing I never wrote down was to spam you with ads of products that I never really used myself. However, I did write down that I wanted to grow it as big as possible and have as many interesting people on the show as I could. To help make that happen, all I ask is that you leave a review on the podcast platform that you're listening to this episode on and share it with someone that you know it will benefit. If you want to support myself even further and more importantly, your body transformation and are interested in having me as your coach to help you achieve the results that you just can't seem to achieve on your own, you can visit teambrockashby.com to see what program fits you best. Back to the show. This next comment was on a post that I did about exercises that are a waste of time for building muscle. And within that video, I posted burpees and they said, why not burpees? I get everything else. I won't spend much time on this because I've talked about this a lot, but burpees are not a muscle building exercise. They absolutely suck for building muscle unless you haven't trained at all in your life. And the reason that they're not very good is because they combine two exercises. They combine a push-up and a jump squat. 
And the, the thing that they challenge the most is your cardiovascular output. And when you're struggling for breath and working your heart, challenging your cardio, you don't really want to mix that with doing with trying to build muscle. This is called concurrent training. When you're trying to do two things that don't really align with each other. And when you're doing a push-up and then going into a jump squat and then doing a push-up, going into a jump squat, you're not really getting the most out of your chest, triceps and shoulders when you're doing the push-up because you're only doing one push-up and then doing a squat jump and getting tired and then doing another tired push-up. And you just keep going and going and going. But you don't really stop burpees because your chest, triceps and shoulders are sore. So it's not really benefiting the muscles that you're doing a push-up with. Then let's go to the jump squat. You don't really stop a, a burpee because your quads are too sore from doing jump squats. You stop a burpee because you can't breathe anymore because you're so tired. So what's the limiting factor here? It's your ability to breathe. It's your cardio. When we're trying to build muscle, we don't want our cardio to be the limiting factor. We want the muscles that we're training to be the limiting factor. They need to get close to failure, not your heart or your breath. You need to get those muscles close to failure. And the best way to do that, if we're talking specifically about a burpee, is to just separate them into two different exercises. A push-up and a jump squat, or just a squat. So instead of doing burpees for building muscle, what you could do is just do three sets of push-ups to failure with two minutes in between. That's going to be way better because the limiting factor is not going to be your heart. It's going to be your chest and your triceps and your shoulders from doing push-ups. They're going to get, that's going to take your muscles close to failure. You're going to keep going, keep going, keep going, and then you're going to fail. <sighs> Two minutes rest. You breathe. You're better. Push-ups again. Bang. You keep going, you keep going. Your chest fails. Your shoulders fail. Your triceps fail. You can't lock out. You're shaking. You go down. <sighs> Two minutes rest. You, you go again. That is much better for building muscle than doing burpees. Same thing with squats. You could do the same. Three sets of bodyweight jump squats to failure. You, you can't jump anymore. Your legs are just so smoked you can't jump. And then you just take two minutes rest. And then you do that again. Two minutes rest, do that again. You see where I'm going? When you're looking at compound exercises like the burpee where you're adding two different exercises together... For building muscle, for hypertrophy, it's often better to just separate them into their own exercises because that is how you're going to get the most out of your muscles. When you do compound exercises, often one suffers. So let's look at if we were going to do a lunge, holding dumbbells by your side, you lunge forward and then you do a lateral raise and then you lunge back. Lunge forward, lateral raise, lunge back. I've seen this on the internet. People are like, like, save, and share my workouts. And with that, when you lunge, how much weight do you use? 10 kilos, 20 kilos, 30 kilos, depending on your strength. When you lateral raise, how much weight do you use? 1 kilo, 2 kilo, 3, 5 kilos, 10 kilos, max. 15 kilos. Can you see what's happening here? One muscle group is going to suffer massively when you do compound exercises. You're always better separating them into two, into two separate exercises. So if I just look at my numbers, when I'm lunging, depending on how many reps I'm doing, I might do 25 or 30 kilo dumbbells in each hand when I'm lunging to get the most out of my legs, my quads, my glutes, my calves. But when I'm lateral raising, I couldn't move 30 kilo dumbbells up at all. They would not move. They would keep my hands by their side. And with lateral raises, I, yesterday, no, the day, yeah, yesterday, I did eight kilos because I had to do five second eccentrics holding it down. I did eight kilo dumbbells. If I do eight kilo dumbbell lunges, my quads are not going to get sore. They're not going to get close to failure. Therefore, they're not going to build any muscle. So when we're looking at compound exercises where you're doing heaps of stuff together, if you want to build muscle, you're probably better off doing them individually. Moving on. Next comment. 
was on a video that I did on box jumps saying that they're not a cardio exercise. They are for plyometric training or explosiveness. And someone said, you can do box jumps some days for explosiveness and some days for cardio. No, you can't. You can, but it's, it's not correct. Box jumps are not a cardio exercise. Once again, let's look at what the limiting factor is when you're doing box jumps for cardio. It's your heart. But if we're trying to train explosiveness, we want our muscles to be failing, not our heart. When we're looking at cardio, we want to do things that are easy to do for our body. Running, walking uphill, the Stairmaster, swimming, rowing, cycling. These things are relatively easy to do with our body so that our heart can be pushed. We want our heart to be the limiting factor for cardio training. When we're doing box jumps, if, if our heart is the limiting factor, we're probably going to get injured. We're probably not going to be, be able to get the amount of height that we would get if we were doing it fresh and doing it in an explosive manner of four to six reps with like three to five minutes in between. That's how we train plyometrics. Plyometric training is explosive. And when you're doing explosive training, you only want to do a small amount of reps because we're, because we're using the ATP energy system. We're using an energy system that thrives off rest and your heart rate like being lower and not working with oxygen. That's the aerobic energy system, which you use for cardio. So when we're doing box jumps and we're trying to do plyometric explosive training, we're using the ATP energy system. This is very different to the aerobic energy system. Aerobic energy system, running, swimming, rowing. ATP energy system, heavy squats, plyometric box squats, heavy bench, heavy overhead press, lifting weights. These are two very different things. And when you combine them, you get what I like to call a shit sandwich. Moving on. More comments. Uh, someone asked me on my Instagram, easiest way to get muscle definition in legs without adding more bulk. So, this is, it's worded funny because like muscle definition in your legs without adding more bulk it makes sense, but ultimately what they're asking is like, how do I just like look leaner without gaining size? And the answer to that is just getting into a calorie deficit. That's how you're going to um, get definition in your legs by dropping your body fat. That's the key to getting more definition anywhere. Like we touched on earlier in this podcast, when we're dropping body fat, it comes down overall. It doesn't come down in specific areas. It comes down overall. So you want to make sure that you're in a calorie deficit and still training heavy. But the thing about dropping weight and getting into a calorie deficit and getting leaner is there has to be muscle underneath. So this may not be as easy as just getting into a calorie deficit. It depends how much muscle you have in your legs. If you're an advanced trainer and you have like big legs with muscle on them, if you get leaner, yeah, that muscle's gonna start popping because you have less body fat. But if you're relatively new to training and you don't have like much muscularity in your legs, like you haven't done squats for years and leg presses, leg extensions, lunges, deadlifts, all this good stuff, then if you just lose weight and get leaner, you may not have the muscle underneath. So this may be a two-step process of going into a muscle building phase and actually developing muscle on your legs and then chipping away at your body fat and revealing that muscle that you've built. So this really depends where you start, but if you want to have muscle definition, you need to have muscle. And this isn't trying to say that if you're listening to this, you don't have muscle mass because I don't know who asked this question, but you need to have muscle mass. And this is kind of the dilemma that people have when they are, you know, quote unquote, skinny fat. They have fat, but they don't really have muscle. So my advice for them is to like, look at your training. Like if you're getting leaner, but you're not really like seeing your muscles, it's because you don't really have muscle mass. So you, 
number one, there could be an error in how you're implementing the calorie deficit to maintain your muscle mass. But number two, your muscle building phases may not be successful because of the way your training is programmed. And maybe you're just gaining body fat because you're in a surplus to build muscle, but your training is inefficient. So you're not actually building muscle in that calorie surplus. So the first thing that I'll say is if you do want to build muscle um, and have like muscle definition, once you're lean, you need to have that muscle mass because a lot of people you know, just get lean and they end up kind of just looking skinny and there's nothing wrong with that if you're going for that. But if you do want to look shredded, which is muscle mass without body fat, then you need to have that muscle mass in the first place. And one thing that I'll tack on to the end of that is don't do both at the same time. Because a lot of people go, oh, well, if I want to lose body fat, then I just go into a calorie deficit. But if I want to build muscle, I just need to lift weights. So then they just go, oh, I'll just lift weights and get into a calorie deficit. I'll build muscle and lose fat. That's not how it works. I've talked about that before, but you want to do one at a time. The quote that I like to use for that is, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Okay. How long should I bulk for? I've struggled with this timeline for years. The quick answer of this is longer than you think. Bulking, building muscle takes a long time. The more you train, the longer it takes. Beginners build muscle very quickly. They can even build muscle in a calorie deficit because they're so desensitized to the stimulus of hypertrophy, of training, of lifting weights. But the more advanced you get, the more challenging it becomes to build muscle because your body's kind of like, yeah, I've seen this before. Oh, you're doing bench press? I know what that looks like. You doing squats? I've seen that. When you're advanced, it's really like, hey man, I've seen everything that you've thrown at me. You're going to have to give me some optimal environment to grow. I'm going to need some good sleep. I'm going to need a high protein diet. I'm going to need a calorie surplus, maybe even some supplementation. I'm going to need all that stuff to build some muscle. So for most people, they need to bulk for longer because it takes a long time. You can't bulk for the same amount of time that you're cutting. That's just not an efficient way to do it. You have to spend a long time in the off season, building, building muscle, any calorie surplus. Yes, that does mean your body fat is probably going to go up, but you need to build muscle underneath the fat so that when you do go into a calorie deficit to reveal the muscle that you have, there is muscle there. The timeline, I like to bulk myself and recommendations for clients for at least three months. That's like the minimum. That's the minimum. I sell like eight-week challenges, also eight-week programs. And a lot of people do very well when they're pursuing fat loss for that amount of time. But when people come and they say, I, you know, I'm trying to build, I'm like, we have to at least double this. We have to do at least 16 weeks, which is four months. And that... <sighs> All right. Three, two, one. The fire alarm just went off. They seem to be testing fire alarms in here, which is great timing. Anyway. When people are trying to build... And they only do it for eight weeks. And then after that eight weeks, they go back into cutting. It's not going to be enough. You're not going to convince your muscles to build in eight weeks. You need to create a calorie surplus for a long time. You need to persuade yourself, persuade your body to build you some muscle because it doesn't really want to do it. If you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, if you're carrying around more muscle mass, you're going to need more food. It's going to be heavier to carry yourself around. That's not optimal. Back in the day when we we're hunter-gatherers running around naked trying to eat antelope. If you're this big muscular dude, you're going to need a lot of food to sustain that. And food was of, of the scarcity back in the day. So it was never really optimal. So it's not ideal for us or for our body to grow like extensive amounts of muscle, which is why it's very hard to do. 
a little bit of muscle. Yeah, that makes sense. Like a practical amount of muscle so that you can hunt better, so that you can uh, like have more bone density, not get crushed by predators and not, you know, just like trip, trip over and just like break. Like, yeah, your body will accept that for sure. But building muscle, lifting weights and really pushing it for years and years and years and years, your body's going to give you a bit of pushback. So you're going to have to get more optimal, a more optimal environment to build muscle and it's going to have to be for a more sustained amount of time. This is why professional bodybuilders, like when they compete, they'll spend 16, 20 weeks cutting, but the rest of the year, they're in a calorie surplus bulking. They're putting on muscle. So for most of the year, they're building and we have to look at professional bodybuilders because that's what they're like professional in, building muscle. Whether they're natural or not, that doesn't really matter. Like their, their sport is building muscle mass and then dropping body fat. And the way that they do it is they spend a lot or every single day that they can building. And then when, when they need to cut and get lean, they do that. But when they're not doing that, they follow the get in, get out principle of stuff this man, I'm building muscle because I need to start building because when I cut, I need to show off this new, bigger amount of muscle mass. So bulking, minimum three months. I like six months and only cut when you need to. And you may only cut for 16 weeks, 12 weeks, eight weeks, and then just get back on the bulk. It's the most efficient way to do it. You can spend time at maintenance if you're on holiday or if you just want to chill out from like smashing so much food and feeling full and training hard and all that kind of stuff. But, but you need to give yourself time to build muscle mass. You need to give yourself time. Get in, get out of the calorie deficit, and then just spend that time in a surplus building. Keep in mind that surplus does not need to be huge. It doesn't need to be this massive 1,000 calorie surplus where you're just gaining a ton of body fat. You don't need to do that. You need to just have a slight surplus where you build as much muscle as possible but gain as little fat because the more fat that you gain in the calorie surplus is the more fat that you have to lose in the calorie deficit. All right. Last question, and this is relevant to everything that we've been talking about. When to get in and get out of the calorie deficit. This is in regards with your post. Thanks. So I've talked about this a lot. So this is going to wrap up the podcast very well. You get in the calorie deficit when you want to get leaner and only when you want to get leaner. You get out of the calorie deficit when you no longer need to be leaner. Because a calorie deficit can affect people in many different ways. And it depends how aggressive... Uh, you have been with the deficit, but it can have some pretty severe effects if you don't do it right, or if you don't look after yourself, or if you stay in it too long. It can decrease your libido or your sex drive. It can decrease your strength. It can decrease your muscle mass. It can decrease your sleep. It can decrease your feelings. Uh, it can decrease your positivity. Sounds shit, right? <laughs> so why are we all doing it? Why are we all in this calorie deficit? Because we want to look leaner. We want to look better. And that's completely fine. But we need to look after ourselves. We, like once we hit this weight and hit our goal, which ties back into what I was saying earlier, we need to set fat loss goals or else we just stay in a deficit for too long. Once we set those goals, once we hit them, we need to get out. Because when we get out, at least to maintenance, we start to get our libido back. We start to get in a more optimal place to build muscle, more optimal place to get stronger more optimal place to be more energized and focused and have better workouts, to have better cognitive function. There's a plethora of benefits of not being in a calorie deficit. The only benefit to a calorie deficit is dropping body fat. But everything else, muscle building related, lifestyle, quality of life related, is better at maintenance or in a calorie surplus. So keep that in mind. Make sure you set goals with fat loss because we don't want to be stuck there and when you get into a calorie deficit and you hit this hit this goal that you're wanting to hit, go straight to maintenance. The calories that you're on are not the calories that you stay on. Those are your calorie deficit calories. So if you're losing weight on 2,000 calories and you hit your goal, you don't go, oh, sweet, I'll just stay on 2,000. 
you need to go back up to 2200 or 2300 because that's where your maintenance is going to be. You don't stay on those lower calories or else you're going to keep losing weight and then eventually you're going to have so much, you know, this is called, um, oh, what's it called? Why is it slipping my mind? Um, like adaptation, man, I should know this off the top of my head. I, I say this almost every day. Um, thermogenic adaptation where your body, that's not the right word. Anyway, when you're on low calories, your body gets used to it. So it starts burning less calories because if your body keeps burning a ton of calories on these low amounts of calories, it'll just keep losing weight and then it'll think it's dying from starvation. Going back to those old school ancestral days where we're hunting antelope. So when we uh, hit the goal, we need to jump up to maintenance to revitalize, rejuvenate our metabolism because then our body is not going to think we're dying and our metabolism is going to be refreshed. We're going to have more energy. We're going to start walking more. We're going to naturally you know, be able to lift more weights and stuff. When our body is starving, it makes sense, right? Our body is not just going to continue burning all this energy because it's in a deficit of energy. It doesn't have energy to burn. That's why everything just kind of like gets really tight. Even people start blinking slower when they're on competition prep for bodybuilding shows. Like they're so exhausted. Their body's trying to save energy even with their blinking. We don't want to be in that position. Once we hit it, especially if we're not competitively bodybuilding, we don't need to do that to ourselves. If we're just trying to get leaner, just get leaner. Don't punish yourself like that. Once you hit this weight that you want to hit, get out. And live your life. All right, guys. That's it. That's all the comments that I wanted to go go through today. This is a good podcast full of knowledge that will just help you continue to get better with your body transformation. If you do have questions, as you can see, I read my comments in all socials. So drop them everywhere. Like, share, subscribe, comment, <laughs> everything on social media, you know. Um, but if you just want to send an email as well, team at teambrookashby.com, I'll also accept that. And just put like the Better With Brock podcast in the subject line and I'll see it. All right. I'll see you in the next podcast. Bye.